Okay. Are you ready? Yep. Amy Tanya Zhao, a Chinese living in America. You want me to call you Amy, or do you want me to call you Tianyi? And I'm Meg, an American who is about to marry into a Chinese family. It allows people to have an eye into who we are as people and how we find our own identity in the world. We're the hosts of this vlog, a podcast that explores what it means to traverse between cultures and shares stories that intersect Chinese and American culture to interrupt cultural barriers and create connections. Do you think、uh, writing about consumer trends in China and interpreting it and working in the fashion industry as a reporter, do you think your career has helped you in any way to find a haven, to find the comfort that you are always looking for? I think on a big mega level, yes, for sure. At least that's how I brainwash myself <laughs> a lot of time, and.、Um, I really, I mean, just on a very simple kind of、uh, example, like there's a there's a funny joke I tell my friend. I'm like, you know, like I thought bilingual will be like the solution. You know, I'm like so cool. I'm bilingual, but I'm actually I'm bilingual as like B Y E. <laughs> like, <laughs> um,、oh, yeah. I mean, it's kind of cringe humor, but、uh, I think.、Uh, It's you know like a lot of time I write to people in English here,、uh, someone who I have a mad English is their first language. I do have this intrinsic fear just a little bit, like in the back of my mind. I'm like, you know, I think about like, oh, like I'm a reporter, right? I write English at my job, and English supposed to be like, you know, my English supposed to be like amazing at least. But I'm still learning. I'm picking up about grammar mistake and all that. And I think I, in the back of my head, no matter how long I study English or how how long I'm in the state, there's always a little bit of fear of people finding out that oh she she can't like write it perfectly, even though she spent so long in the state.、Um, You know, and and that bugs me a little bit, but I guess I have to live with it. So that just give you a little bit example of、uh, the kind of the downside of being bilingual. <laughs>、um, and、uh, yeah, and Amy, well, Mag, you said you don't really speak the language.、Um, I think it's kind of a blessing where <laughs> you're not expected to, you know, speak better Mandarin. Um, so that's yeah. I think I think I have my insecurity moments、uh, in that regard.、Um, but、uh, yeah, I guess I have to live with it.、Um, I can I can identify with that a little bit、um, in my own journey. Like you were talking, Amy and I have touched on that before、um, on the podcast of feeling like very exposed in the sense where. You're worried about making a mistake, even though you've worked on it so long, or you know something like that. And for me,、um, even though it's not directly expected that I speak the language, I feel like an underlining expectation、um, from a family、mm. perspective that I speak the、yeah. language. And actually, in、um, my last trip to China, visiting、mm -hmm. uh, my fiance's family,、um, there is this. I could tell there was whispers about is she gonna say something in Mandarin? Is she gonna? And I was、oh. trying, but I felt like I wasn't being heard, you know. And、right. 
Um, and that's really difficult because I feel like when you don't speak a language and everyone else does, they, there's almost this period where people kind of just count you out because they, they mm-hmm. assume, you know, when really for me, I was trying, but it wasn't being heard. And then, um, but there was this one night that everybody just kind of turned to me at the dinner table and I said something to them in Mandarin and everything kind of alleviated off of my back in that regard. Um, mm. But I do, I get that though. And I can't, I'm not there yet. Um, but I know Amy has expressed that she has struggled with that before too, where um, she feels like, you know, she still feels like a, a little bit of a vulnerability almost like wondering, yes. am I doing this right? Am I, you know, even though you've been practicing for so long, you know? And yeah, so, yeah I love that you touched on that. Yeah. What what's your take, Amy? <laughs> uh I I don't know because I think I shouldn't start a sentence with I don't know because I think I know um <laughs> exactly yeah. what it means to be a bilingual writer. Um or oh, a yes. bilingual person. <laughs> Uh, in general what are we facing because Mm -hmm. honestly speaking comparing to even the majority of international student quote-unquote international student for those whose first languages are not English uh, when you when your career is a bilingual writer or reporter um, honestly we all know the truth is that our English level are better comparing to others Sure, yeah. Who are from the same level. But as you said, it's a blessing, but also a curse in a sense that people hold you on to a higher standard. Um, It's almost like, oh, so you have a better grade. Great, but why don't you go to Harvard? So you're not that good anyways. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I I think you're hold by both standard. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, like, I, I think, I think people, you know, like, especially coming back from China, I mean, on the language level, um, again, a lot of time, I would have a hard time to think about the Chinese words of the English, you know, and I would speak this bilingual language where I mix both language in. And I think it's fine when I hang out with my friend who has been abroad and come back, who is like in the similar bowl and we can understand each other. Sometimes we just switch to English entirely. Um, and, but when I speak to like Chinese people, like Chinese, Chinese friend um, who maybe didn't share that experience, I realize that they don't really like it or people are not really comfortable with it. You know, maybe. Why do you think that is? I think it's like, oh, you're showing off. It's like, you know, like you can't even speak full sentence without mixing in English. Like, oh, who are you? You know, um, I don't, I mean, no one have actually talked to me a lot on that, but I I just feel like there is yeah. some sense of a judgment or expectation in there. And um, yeah, yeah. I love that you bring that up because it's so refreshing to hear someone else say that because I felt like I have been, because of that right there, the showing off part, I feel self-conscious about practicing Mandarin in real time because I have this, like, 
I don't, I feel it. I don't want to be, I don't know. And maybe it's my own thing, but sometimes, right, right. sometimes you do see Americans who are very travel savvy and they're like, Oh, look at me. I can speak 500 languages and I've been to this country right. and let me talk your mm-hmm. ear off about yeah. it. That person, and that person. And <laughs> I never want to be that person. And I get really shy about practicing my Mandarin. Like I've taken elementary Mandarin classes, but to really like drill it in my mind, I need to practice it. And I know that, but sometimes Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm being one of those people if I'm trying to practice it, you know, Mm -hmm. um, like there's a vulnerability that comes with that and the lack of self-confidence because of that. So I love that you brought that up. That's so interesting. I mean, I've met a lot of uh, people since I come back, and I find that a lot of guys actually they're not really afraid about it. They're yes. kind of like showing off. They're the, showing off. Yes, the Chinese part they only know in the sentences and really emphasizing like, "Hey, you know, I can speak. I'm hungry and all that, and look at me. I'm so great at it." You're talking about the expats community in Beijing, ex- in China in general. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God, expats! <laughs> that community is another weird zone in itself. <laughs> and Do you I'm find sure similarity? there are different similarities between between like, them different... and you of being in between. Uh, I find similarity in terms of like I can understand what they're talking about. Probably, maybe better than most Chinese Chinese people, but then um, some, I think there's a, some sense of like, snob. well, I'm trying to be polite here, <laughs> or some oh, sense of entitlement, um, entitlement, especially coming from the expat guys, where they're like, oh, I'm in Asia, I can speak Chinese, I'm so great, and yeah, I can get girls, whatever, <laughs> but um yeah, and, and they really, they don't have shame in practicing their their Chinese, you know, like in the same regard as like, uh, Mag, you have talked about it. And maybe, I don't know if it's a gender thing, uh, but I really find it kind of uh, interesting. And uh, the more they practice it, the more confident they, they gain. And, uh, yeah. and people really, Chinese people are really impressed by any foreigner who speaks any Chinese. To be honest, why do you think that is? And it's not the case. The flip version. Um, I, 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 I mean, I think it has with like cultural superiority. You know, Western culture, um, you know, has been kind yeah. of the dominant culture. Mm-hmm. I think primarily that. But that is my judgmental thoughts. That's uh, speaking. But uh, what what's your take? Um, what's your take, Amy? I'm very interested in the cultural superiority that you just mentioned, because I think we saw a lot of that um, going through this journey of traveling in between countries. And it's yeah. also something I always talk to Meg about. And I always joke, with, I always joke it with her. I was like, you're, you're white, so you're good. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, just speak Chinese. She is. <laughs> I, will, I was like, you know, if you speak Chinese, you're like the queen. They may think that you're the for sure. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. If you only try a little bit, I think they will appreciate it immensely. Mm-hmm. I don't then know what question, has been your experience, but yeah. yeah. But the question is, should should she be comfortable with that? Um, yeah, that's something we've talked about before. 
Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, the cultural superiority is so fascinating that mm-hmm. um, that I have a, a in our second episode. I don't know if you ever heard of it, but like we talk about the identities and how there was part of my journey of traveling in between cultures that I wanted to become another person, literally changing everything: the way I talk, the way I look, the way I speak. Oh,、uh, okay. well, the mannerism in general. That there was a period when I want to relate more to the "quote unquote" superior cultural group, and that meaning I want to please the white girl.、Um, mm, and、yeah. I, I talked about it before, and it was a, it's it's, and I wanted to ask about your Experience because、mm-hmm. it seems like you have the cultural awakening a lot earlier than I did, because you were in the states when you were much younger.、Um, what was it like for you? Have you ever had a moment of trying to relate to a quote-unquote superior culture, even though we know it's not true and there's nothing superior about it? Have you ever had a moment where you want to change your way of your mannerism or your look in order to quote-unquote fit in? Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. While I was in, you know, Iowa in high school, I did that, and I remember we had exchange student coming from Norway and Sweden, all those like Nordic country and white European culture, which supposedly I guess the superior culture,、uh, quote unquote, and.、Um, And I remember like thinking about, oh damn, they're like so cool and hanging out with the Americans. You know, they're like the center of the party. Where I felt that I was kind of,、uh, you know, the the quiet Asian girl that are academic driven and a teacher's pet. <laughs> I do, I mean I I do love going to classes、uh, and all that, and I guess that's part of my identity.、Um, and I remember, you know. How much I want to fit in,、uh, I don't think I necessarily changed my look like、um, that drastically. But I did choose the group I hang out with, where where I saw I was being the cool, hip, academic group, <laughs>、um, and、uh, that's my high school experiences. And then going off in college, I think. Yeah, like I I saw that I think in the back of my mind I always hold this idea that oh like you know like I have experiences in the U.S. I hung out with the people that are local and I supposedly be more local or appear more American.、Um, and I guess like now even now I'm I think I am more American in terms of like how I do my makeup, how I dress up. Mm-hmm. Um, and what kind of a con- con- content I consume,、um, I think naturally that is. But I'm trying to, yeah. I think it's interesting you talk about this moment where you try so hard to fit in.、Uh, I guess it it doesn't work, right?、Um, yeah, I, I think the high school moment is probably the most、uh, the moment where I struggled. The most because I don't have a framework or another Asian girl to look up to. It's all、mm-hmm. I am by myself. It's my choice, and、uh, I went with fit in, and I want it so badly.、Um, 
Yeah, absolutely. That's, Mm -hmm. it's really interesting to hear your side of things too. I mean, because one thing that Amy and I have talked about previously is just how vulnerable of an age that is in high school, in that, in those early years. And the fact that you made that transition and it's almost a double layer effect for you. Um, that's my fiance when he came to the United States for the first time and attended a high school, Catholic oh. high school in Fond du Lac, wow. Wisconsin, in the middle of nowhere. Oh yeah! Oh my god! <laughs> so we're on a similar boat. Similar boat. Your your story. Hearing you share your story definitely echoes um, what I know of his, and so it's it's wow. very fascinating. I also I met someone not long ago, too, where she had a very interesting experience as well, kind of being dropped in the Midwest somewhere for the first time. Yeah. And, yeah. um, it's just, it's, it's very interesting. I think at such a young age for, um, somebody to navigate a brand new culture like that, having, I mean, it's a culture shock. I imagine coming so young and then all the other things that you naturally go through at those ages, um, where you fit in and different things mm-hmm. like that. So it's very mm-hmm. interesting to hear, um, your firsthand experience with that. Uh, yeah, I think if I would know how hard it is, I wouldn't even choose to come out all the way. Really? There. Yeah. Mm. Wow. I, I don't the most think I would part? make that leap of faith. Um, the most difficult part is to... And how did that shape you into who you are today? I guess to connect with the people that I talk with on a deeper level. Mm. Uh, I think... When I was a teenager, you know, I really crave this. uh, I mean, I still do crave this like deep connection with people. And I guess when you're so brand new into another culture, you are still, the language capability is still on the surface. So it's really hard. And I remember like on one side, I would go through in a day, I would have like the host family life and the school life and it's all normal. And then at night I will have like long, long phone call conversation with my friend who also was on the same boat. Um, and we would just exchange stories and support each other and talk. And, um, um, and that like, uh, I think that helped me a lot, but it was, it was really, it was really stressful to not express yourself fully and to be, I guess, respected, you know, as a young teenager, um, like knowing, oh, your culture is respected, your personality and your individuality is respected. Um, that, that was pretty hard. Yeah. Do you feel like there are other ways you tried to express yourself because you couldn't fully express yourself verbally maybe because what you're describing. I know for me, um, Mm -hmm. going to China for the first time, I have shared this before on the podcast, how what I wore was so important for me and I didn't realize why it was so important for me, but I realized at the end of it all is that that's Mm -hmm. the only way I could communicate, um, with people Mm. was how I presented myself. So do you feel like there are any other ways non-verbally that you tried to communicate for yourself and kind of what that experience was like for you? Non-verbally, I'm trying to think. Um, uh, I 
mean, maybe like academically. Like I remember, I was like、mm. going into like those the、uh, extracurricular activity, you know, where we all have to.、Sure. And I remember just like speech and debate, where like I was like delivering a very cheesy opera,、uh, opera speech.、Um, <laughs> And、um, I don't know, it's pretty cringing, but、uh, I remember just like delivering that speech was like, oh my god, my life is so hard, and I need this positive energy.、Uh, and、uh, I was like pretty moved by it. And、uh, I saw if I like present it correctly or present it wholeheartedly, people will understand me. But I think only the the teachers appreciated me. <laughs> They're like, "Oh, look at this, you know, Asian girl, and she's like so driven,、um, and want and so expressive." And I found、um, it interesting because you said that now you the way that you dress and the co- the content that you consume is more quote unquote American, but you're living in China. But before, while we were in the states. Apparently, you didn't try too hard to change your look and the way of ma- the mannerism or the way that you behave. So now, when you're back home in China, where the communications, where people speak your language, and you know you are a part of the culture, yet you choose to dress in certain ways that are quote unquote more American.、Um, Why do you think that is? Do you think it's because your po- your past experience of living in the states has a deep influence on you, or it's just really who you are? Like your natural style, it's more "quote unquote" American, and then you only realize that what what we call Western styles after you went to the states, or or it's a byproduct of your whole cultural journey. I think subconsciously, I do that. That I, I consume the content, I dress the way I do, and I'm comfortable <laughs> dressing up like that. I'm not comfortable putting out the full eye makeup or make my eyes bigger, <laughs> and, yeah, or like、uh, putting out like short skirt or like the girly girl stuff. I don't. That's like not me <laughs> at all, and、mm-hmm. I don't. I don't like that. Um, yeah, I think I'm just going with what I'm comfortable with, and also speaking now, I think one of the、uh, one of the biggest uh, benefit uh, of like working this job still. So basically, I don't think I have that much of a reverse cultural shock because my friends are pretty much the same. You know, we, you know, while my really really great friend she moved back around the same time as I do, and we now start a podcast. You know, I really have those stable of interest and、uh, people, and then my job. You know, I still work the same job as in the state.、Uh, I still work with the same coworker. The only thing probably changed the most is my parents. Now I'm living back and、mm-hmm. uh, moving back to live with my parents,、um, and that could that has been interesting. But they has been so supportive and open minded, so that's not really a cultural. Um, that much of that that big of a cultural difference,、uh, and then you know I break up with my boyfriend before. Now I'm like in this new zone of finding someone that I connect to, and most of the time they have similar cultural background, either by culture or you know、um, completely American.、Uh, so yeah, yeah.、Um, 
I think I'm I'm blessed, and a lot of the stuff I do subconsciously. There are scenarios where it poked at me. Oh, I'm so American <laughs> about this, but yeah. I think I have created myself this bubble, <laughs> or I have been living in this bubble where being American is okay, <laughs> mm-hmm. or being more more American is okay. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And what do you mean by being an American? Uh, being American <laughs> or And、let's let's test it with an American. <laughs> uh, wow, that's really hard、uh, to really lay it out something so subconsciously.、Uh, I think again, it's the way that I dressed up and the content that I consume. You know, I still read like New Yorker magazine, and I still like flip through Instagram and still listen to and the music.、Um, And、uh, I don't know. I don't know.、Uh, or I'm still pretty straightforward person. I don't really hide my thoughts、uh, or try to filter it in any other way. Whereas, like you know, people in China, they'll be like, "Oh, you can't say stuff so bluntly."、Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I guess that's fascinated by it. I'm very fascinated by it because I. Here's a difficult question. Here's a difficult one. Oh, a lot of difficult questions today. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm like think... on the grill, right? <laughs> no, no, I'm okay. Honestly no, no, no. interested. I'm, I'm honestly interested. I'm I'm honestly interested in this question too. Yes. Do you think that <laughs> by saying you are quote unquote American, it's us feeding into American superiority or Western cultural superiority? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure, a hundred percent. And do you think, do you think we need to readjust it? Do you think there is need to be another way to go about it, or because I think, for example, for Meg, right, for someone who's about to enter this culture, knowing that there is a cultural superiority over there, she has a choice. Does she want to be a normal American, or she wants to be someone who, who it's. Who is basically very feeding into this kind of stereotypes and enjoying the superiority superiority that we gave her.、Mm. Um, so, do you think?、Mm. Yes. Yeah. By being more quote unquote American, like oh, I'm more outspoken, right? I consume more、yeah. content that you need VPN to access.、Mm-hmm. Do you think、yeah. we are? Because I know what kind of person you are. Because I am the same, and I'm not afraid of saying it. But subconsciously, subconsciously, there is something on the back of my mind that well, I think that's better. I think the American、yeah. or the Western way is better. And do I, I want to find a way to go about this? I want to find a way to 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 not not put one culture over the other to have that preferences. But I couldn't find a way. I mean, okay. I can I can speak on that, and that's something I I've been soul searching for a while.、Uh, it's the dating choice I have. I have always love it. <laughs> love it. I've always dated white American guys because there's simply、awesome. not much choices in <laughs> Iowa. Yeah. Oh, for sure.、Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Iowa. Yeah. I love all places, and、uh, I've always liked that. And my last boyfriend, he's Asian American, which is probably the 
I guess the only Asian I've dated in the past uh, 10 years or something. And it says coming back to China, being on online dating, I've always, I would say 90% of the time, swiped on white dudes. Hmm. Uh, maybe it's a habit that I've been forming before. And I've tried, I've tried to talk to Chinese um, dude where I read their bio and I saw they're pretty open-minded and they share similar, you know, bicultural background. But then I talk to them, you know, and there are always this little saying just poke at me. And I don't know why, like, for example, you know, they ask you like, uh, how tall are you? Or like, oh, you you have to talk to me a little bit more, or you know, kind of a, you know, it's it's just like a weird thing where I wouldn't say it's misogynist to that big of a deal, but it's always like a little bit of a thing that poked at me where I always enjoy the sense of respect and equal that I shared with white guys. <laughs> um, Fascinating really <laughs> yeah it's really okay it's really fascinating to me and i wonder okay so this is might go really deep but this like leads me to i'm following along with you and what you're saying and i'm mm-hmm. wondering if because of the gender roles that are the different gender roles in each of the different cultures i'm wondering and amy and i have talked about this before where talking about the roles of women and how they're transitioning, um, how like this generation um, in China may be more progressive, at least the woman. Yes. And they feel like they want to be heard more. They want to have more of a say. They want to have, they don't really want to have, they want to have more of an equal playing ground, I think, in their relationships. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I wonder if for you, it's that you feel like maybe you found that in the other culture but maybe that culture because my it's my experience I have the opposite experience so I feel like oh wow. I've had so my fiance what's your experience he's <laughs> his he's from China you know and yeah. but my other boyfriends they've all been American past yeah. past relationships with Americans but I have always felt that with my American boyfriends there's just this lack of like disrespect. They kind of just like wow. blow offs. They're just like wow. eh, whatever. And then when I that's so fascinating, right? The, exactly. My mind is just like whew, because <laughs> because in my relationship, like, and when I started dating my fiance, um, yeah. I felt so respected and so equalized with him in a way that I oh. never felt in a relationship before. And I wonder if that's the two cultures talking to each other where oh, wow. it's not yes. even the two people. It's the two cultures where mm. this culture is saying, hey, I respect you. I'm curious about you. I want to learn more about you and vice versa. And so the maybe there's more of an equal playing ground between two people of two different cultures in a relationship together than there is of two people in, in the same culture in a relationship together. And maybe for you, like I said, it's, it's that element maybe of you're finding you're more respected and more equalized in your relationships with American guys, for example, than you are playing into the gender roles that could possibly exist in relationships with those from your culture. 
That was just like mm-hmm. a thought that came to my mind when you were unboxing it like that. Yes, yes. I I definitely can echo on that. And I wonder, I've always wondered if I've met the right people, the yeah. the match in yeah. my culture, you know? Because, you know, honestly, I think at my age, I don't really mind if they're Chinese or American per se, sure. but it's more the, um, the colored brain. Um, that's speaking, you know, when, when I talk to those people and they're giving me all those signals saying, actually, you know, those like, those American guys, they're more, they, they can, they can support you and they have progressive thoughts and they understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's my color brain is speaking, uh, especially when you don't really know someone that well at the beginning of date. Right. Um, and I, I always thought maybe I I haven't met the right person in either culture <laughs> yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's so fascinating. You talk about how your fiance uh, respect you so much more than your past boyfriends. Um, but you know, in what regard? Like, what are some things that are defined as respectful? I feel like, and it could be, there could be, it's not a single, it's, it's not an isolated event, I would say, because I mean, I'm marrying the guy Mm -hmm. for a reason too. Like he's obviously the one, the other ones weren't. So um, (laughs) it could be that I just met all the wrong people till I met the right one. That's one part of it. But I think the other part of it is that for, I don't know, I've talked about this with um, Amy before, how I felt like, I talked about this with my sister too. Um, because my sister, mm-hmm. she is in a relationship with someone who is not American as well. And she, there's kind of this sentiment between her and I, and then other people that we talk to that are dating people that are not from America, that are women, not men. Um, I've never had this mm-hmm. conversation with men, but um, that they're just like, kind of like, forget like American guys. Like they just, they don't, they, I don't know. Like there's just, the treatment is different. And like, there's more of like a, it's, it's been the experience that like for us and in my circles of other American women that it's just like, oh, like I have to hold another door for myself or like, there's just this kind of, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess one, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. one experience from the other end of things, which is a conversation I had with Amy the first night I met her was that actually in my relationship, my current relationship with my fiance, I was talking to Amy and I said, you know, sometimes I just feel like my independence is being ripped away from me in this relationship. And she was like, what are you talking about? And I said, well, he just wants, <laughs> he wants to pay for everything all the time. He wants oh to my God. do all these things. And Amy was telling me that um, I need to let him do that because it would be kind of insulting him um, and his culture. Um, but then like it was, it was more of the extreme end because the other end is that I've had the experience where it's just kind of like, there was a reason why I felt like I had to be independent. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't used to being taken care of in any of my relationships. Oh. It was, it was me taking care of yes. myself. Yes, you know? yes, yes. So, I mean, I, I yeah. think, yeah, I think I'm still do. Maybe I'm comfortable of not 
letting others to take care of myself. And in my mind, it translates to me being independent, me having a say of what to order, then, you know, I will pay for that part of my bill. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, like that, that makes sense. That really makes a lot of sense. Uh, well, it's time for other people to treat me. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, if I were a guy, yeah. Pay for your own bill. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I save money because I'm at the place where yeah. I think it's about power mm-hmm. on top of a culture. Oh my God. It's more yes. about manipulation and power. Yeah. So I'm not mad because I re- one thing I realized about cross culture dating or traveling in between cultures is that, um, you know, it's it's really just about power and it's about how to mm. balance in between different genders and the not it's there's always a price there's no free pass it's not like you get independence mm. and you don't need to worry about other things because nothing comes for free that's one thing i learned is that for example if you're dating someone um if you you're dating for example like meg it's she's entering a new territory and she felt respected which is amazing because as she said she chose to marry this guy for a reason but then there is always a trade-off even though you don't face the problem of um you know overly taking care of yourself or not having the other party taking care of herself sometimes the trade-off is um you're losing a little bit of your independence Mm -hmm. and when i came to the states and you know, I realized that, um, okay, now you have the freedom, now you have the independence, but then I don't have the comfort of being taken care of. Not, I mean, like, of course, now I'm great, like, in a great relationship Mm -hmm. and whatnot, but I'm just saying I can never have it all. It's just, it's, Mm -hmm. there's always a trade-off and whether you want, if you are longing for independence, then it's not like you can have it all. Um, that's why in our previous episode about quote-unquote feminism, we didn't call it that because we think there are so many different interpretations on that word. I just don't think one human being, one person from one gender should have it all. And I don't think being a feminist and you still want other people to pay for your bill. It just doesn't come like, it's not like that. <laughs> and yeah people may be at yeah. mad at me for saying this but i'm honestly if you are expecting the other party to pay for all of your bill you better give them something mm-hmm. you, if you're expecting them to to do your part of chores then you gotta pay for in, in a way so i think that's my take. <sighs> saying all the time you know like not just one or two times but in general in an entire relationship you've not only just intimate relationships there's relationships in general friends or anything i just don't think is fair that you want there's a balance and i think there's always a balance and that's what i've been missing Mm -hmm. because i think when you run into another culture when i when i when i enter a new culture where i thought i have more freedom mm-hmm. i also mm-hmm. need to pay my own bill <laughs> <laughs> yeah like you had you had one thing and you left to go get another and then you realize you don't have that thing anymore because yeah it's the trade off
uh, we are towards the end of the interview, and thank you so much for the for all the information. It's amazing, and I want you to now market your podcast to tell us a little bit more about、yeah. the project that you are doing,、oh. and we want to end it、yes. on the note of. You know what are you? What have you been focusing on? And know more about where can we find you and pimp yeah, what, yourself out. What what、okay. led you to create your podcast and and yeah. yeah and what's what are you trying to do with your podcast? Oh yeah, great. So about my podcast, it's interesting.、Uh, I've always defined myself as culturally defined. I've always categorized anything, any problem in my life as cultural. Um, but then I think it's very interesting. I have this really good friend that I've known since high school, and、uh, she she really guided me a lot. Like、um, you know, a lot of things that we're seeing is not really culturally, or it manifests itself in the cultural code. But it actually is your personal lens, is who you are, you know, and what matters is that you. Anyway, that sounds kind of conceptual, and、uh, but we created a podcast during COVID nineteen, where we're locked down at home, we can't go anywhere, so that limits our physical space.、Uh, and my co-host, she has been you know working from home for so long, so we started it as like、um, episode of、uh, telling about working from home stories and kind of guiding、mm-hmm. people. On that new lifestyle, wow!、Um, and that for us defines a sense of freedom.、Um, anyway, so the podcast name is called "Zi Yu Zi Zai." It's uh, it's about self discovery,、uh, sense of、uh, freedom. Very so, cool. Yeah, so we saw that as like a little entry point of like, hey, this is something you can change if you have this ability of working from home, maybe. You know, you can replicate this power, this exercise, this muscle to other things, and that was a model. And so we started from work from home to talk about, you know, culture under COVID nineteen, and now,、uh, since、uh, things are recovering in China, we are doing this series about a rebuild, basically talking、oh. about people who kind of abandoned their old lifestyle. And jump into new ones, and we interview people who were working full time and now become full time writers on their own,、um, or quit their, you know, lawyer job and become content creators.、Uh, wow! And、um, we want to interview people maybe did a plastic surgery or people even like you know abandoned. The traditional life and become monks. Obviously, those are the bucket list type of <laughs>、uh, we want to understand. But I think a lot of time, even in today's conversation, there are a lot of that those flipping moments in our lives, and we want to capture that. And what are some things that really changed? And I think it's some kind of belief. It's some kind of like. Maybe it's like the outside world are so chaotic, as you know, we live in this COVID time, and we want to, and really tune in what makes us special, and、right. we kind of want to find those conversation, and、uh, so yeah, in a nutshell, <laughs> it's an interview kind of podcast, and it's about different people、uh, finding themselves a self discovery journey, and I,、mm. I will end like that. <laughs> 
That's really, really, really cool. Where can we find the podcast to listen to it? Uh, you can find it on uh, Apple Podcast as well as a Chinese podcast uh, called Simalaya, uh, and it's all Mandarin language podcast. Uh, it's called Zuyou Zidai. Very cool. Wow, that's amazing. I love how you started it during COVID nineteen. Yeah, yeah. I think、uh, people maybe people need those stories. You know, I think so.、Mm-hmm. I think yeah, so. Yeah. Especially now more、yeah. than ever, I think story is what's so important and is what's I think gonna get us through this ultimately. And yeah, I love that you、sure. said that culture is not the answer for every change that happened in your life because、mm-hmm. there's something bigger than just culture. It's cultural difference. It's it's. It, it it's a thing, it exists, but it's not the answer or the explanations to my life choices. Right.、Um, I, yeah, I think it manifests to your narration, and ultimately, it's you to decide how you want to manifest those cultural differences. And I think it's really an empowering thoughts to know that you have the power to digest it and turn it into something beautiful and add more texture to your personality. Um, right, and I I really believe that I really believe that energy of how much,、uh, you know, you can do. I mean, it's not in a control freak type of way, but it's to build up to build up your personality and to really,、um, yeah, create your own sense of culture. Even、um, amazing, absolutely, that is so cool. That is so cool. Um. So one more thing I did want to touch on because I felt like I was going to touch on it earlier and then I just got caught up talking about something else. But one thing that I yeah, did always happen. It always happens, and I mean, we were talking about your experience、um, in America, and you felt like you just were so relieved to be back home. But you also said that you there are different parts that you may have like subconsciously kept with you. Um, from、yeah. America, as you've traveled through all these different transitions, and so I guess,、um, is there any, is there anything that you, in this transition on your, now that you've made it back, is there anything that you do, that you, or anything that is more touching on that culture and that experience, like getting in touch? Do you get in touch with the expat community? Do you?、Um, Do you involve yourself in any circles that kind of touch on how you've been changed by your experience transitioning between cultures? Oh yes, yes.、Uh, that's actually an interesting question.、Uh, it was、uh, stressful somewhat to come back, even though I have this big relief、um, because it's still different. You know, you still need time to adjust. And、um, my way of digesting all those uncomfortableness is, I turned to、uh, stand-up comedy,、uh, mm. because in New York I was、uh, actually following one of the stand-up comedian, and I thought his experience is very interesting. And I kind of, you know, why not? I want to try <laughs> to create those stories too. It seems cool.、Uh, so I joined the local stand-up comedy scene in Beijing. And、uh, they're mostly <laughs> men, and they have a culture in their own,、um, and it's it's eye-opening to understand that expat community. But I think even that journey of like writing out loud all those 
weird uh, <laughs> cultural flex that I was uh, experimenting and digesting in a humorous way was such a remedy for me. Uh, and knowing totally. that could make people laugh. <laughs> it kind of, exactly. it's a sense of resonation. Um, and, but I quit <laughs> after a month because there's an instance where I talk about actually um, the vibration, vibrator, actually female sexuality. And I saw I was being very, <laughs> sorry, outspoken and progressive. But then I remember I was on the stage and looking down at this, at the audience. I remember one Chinese guy, he just like have a, such a upsetting and confused face where I think he was trying to say that, why are you speaking about this? And why are you telling this to all of us? Isn't it something that you should keep to your own? Obviously, I'm making up all those conversations in my mind because it's such a vulnerable experience being on the stage to talk about your personal stuff. Um, and it's a uh, it's very insecure <laughs> type of moment. And I was like, you know what, maybe I should kind of uh, <laughs> go back and uh, settle down a little bit. Um, that just like one reason where it was uh, kind of hard. But I mean, as, as you understand it now, it's a up and down journey. And I, I saw stand up comedy was a good remedy. I mean, I still do, you know, I still do. But um, I love that, finding yeah. the humor in it all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it sounds beautiful, but it's actually pretty painful to write out all those uh, things and try to digest it in a humorous way. Sure. It's pretty painful. But um, I feel actually. like stand-up comedy, I feel like would be one of the hardest things to write. You know what I mean? Because it has to land just perfectly. <laughs> yes. I mean, the, the formula is you start with a assumption and then you tell the story and then at the end you have to punch it. The punch has to be, you know, surprising. And for me, it's like to how to manufacture that. Uh, right. surprisingness and not just telling a funny story uh, that you experience is kind of uh, interesting uh, but if any of you have those moments where you feel like oh this is something I experienced maybe I should write it down uh, as you know I, I think stand-up comedy writing jokes could be helpful uh, absolutely yeah and we can share some of the jokes <laughs> I love <laughs> that another idea. episode <laughs> I love that idea i yeah. my last thing that I want to ask you before we wrap this up, um I just wanted mm-hmm. to make sure I talked to you about that part of things because I feel like that's the part of the journey um that I haven't yet explored with anybody and Amy hasn't, and we haven't on this podcast, and so that was so important. I love what you shared about stand up comedy and I guess my last question for you is. Um, what would be some advice that you would give to somebody as they are transitioning through cultures, whether it's for the first time or for the second time, or is there any little piece of wisdom that you would leave with somebody, um, to kind of help guide them along that journey? Um, that's a good question. And I guess I'm still searching for that advice myself from time to time, But I think by doing my podcast and the COVID-19 reflection time, I really come to be of, um, there are always bad, ugly, 
and beautiful side to each culture. Uh, I, I think it's up to you to decide what you want to digest in and make it unique to your personality. And I think you have the power to really see and to shine through <laughs> those uh, weird funnels. Um, and I do believe, I think looking back, all those experiences are really beneficial. It makes me open-minded. Mm-hmm. And just to understand American culture is not all beautiful and all open-minded and all freedom and forever liberty, <laughs> all those values. Um, and it's not, it's absolutely not. And I think people are realizing it and are seeing it critically. I think, you know, just if you build up your own cultural understanding and a sense of who you are, being able to see those stuff in a critical lens, uh, I think it helps you guide it uh, a little bit more. Yeah, it helped me. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. I love, I love what you said about not every, not everything is beautiful, and not everything is. I mean, it's beautiful and it's not at the same time, and that's okay. I, that's just yeah, it's okay. It's that's just beautiful in itself. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the experiences, and I'm just happy we all share the experiences and we can talk about here. It's a really special and space you guys created. I'm really grateful of that. I'm glad. I'm glad because I we really I'm are so trying glad. to. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really trying to create a haven for those who found insecure when you were trapped in between cultures or in between yeah. two or even multiple. Because I think yeah. the reason why we are so open-minded today, or even sometimes we are still not, and the reason that you said that you, the experience that you had make you open-minded, it's because you have a taste of different cultures. And even and that different taste make you feel insecure, but it's also yeah, it a gift. Yeah that um helps you see through some of the some of the truth so yeah thank you yeah thank you for this space and thank you for this conversation thank you Um, thank you so much for for (laughs) taking your time and talking to us about all that you have been through and i knew i knew from the moment that i met you you're you're going to be a great guest for us so i'm glad that we actually made it happen we really appreciate your time Yeah, it's such an honor. And uh, you guys helped me a lot to understand my own journey as well. Oh, uh, thank you. And I will keep dwelling on that <laughs> and updating right. my latest venture with you guys. <laughs> we would love that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Please do. Please do. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. Yeah. I mean, help always well in the COVID-19 time. It's uh, scary, you know. Yes. I hope you guys yeah. all stay safe first and most importantly. Thank you. We hope that you thank do too. You. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to join in on the conversation. Connect with us on Instagram at spark underscore podcast and Facebook at the spark podcast with Megan Amy, or send us an email at hello spark podcast at gmail.com. And wherever you may be listening from, we hope you have the courage to be the spark.